it's crabbing. I, you know, I, I've been, I always say I've been so blessed to get to do what I love, you know, crab now 22 years. I've been crabbing, you know, for fun since I was 12 years old and it, it never, I haven't gotten bored of it. This is Fishtails, a seafood podcast. I'm John Sussman. Chesapeake Bay, located on the east coast of the United States, is renowned for its blue crab fishery, a vital industry that has sustained local communities and become a cultural hallmark. The blue crab, scientifically known as the Calonectes sapidus, which translates to beautiful savoury swimmer, is not just a regional delicacy, but also an essential component of the bay's ecosystem. Chesapeake Bay is the largest estuary in the United States, stretching approximately 200 miles from the Susquehanna River in the north to the Atlantic Ocean in the south. It has an average depth of around 6 metres, with the deepest point reaching around 25 metres. The blue crab fishery is deeply interwoven with the history and culture of the Chesapeake Bay area. It supports a significant part of the local economy, providing employment and income for thousands of people involved in crabbing, processing and related industries. The Chesapeake Bay blue crab is celebrated for its sweet, tender meat and is a staple in the local cuisine, featured in dishes like crab cakes, crab soups and the famous Maryland Crab Feast. Meet CJ Canby, a dynamic next generation Chesapeake Bay blue fisherman. Born and bred on the bay, CJ blends time-honoured techniques with modern sustainability practices, ensuring the legacy and vitality of this iconic trade. His dedication not only champions a local tradition, but also stewards the bay's ecological future. CJ Canby, uh, captain of the FVMS Paula. So I'm located uh, just below Baltimore in Maryland. Uh, Baltimore is the biggest city in Maryland. Uh, it's not the capital, but it's the biggest city. And we're really the, probably the biggest market for blue crabs, which is what we catch uh, from Chesapeake Bay. Uh, I, I uh, specifically fish blue crabs using crab pots. So I, I grew up uh, on uh, the bay. Uh, my house is located uh, right on the water uh, on a creek uh, just below Baltimore. And so I had access to the water at a young age and uh, always enjoyed fishing and crabbing with my dad and uh, his cousin and uh, started young with my own boat and started catching crabs to sell uh, to, to neighbors and things like that when I was young and just kind of always had an interest in it. Uh, I didn't get started uh, commercially fishing until I was in high school. You had to be 18 in Maryland to hold a commercial license. So when I turned 18, I, I leased a license from someone while I was in uh, late in high school and early college. And uh, after um, college, I got a degree. Uh, I got a degree in biology, and then went and worked as a scientist for a few years, and gave that up to then pursue commercial fishing full time. Our fishery is, uh, I don't know exactly when it started. Um, I know, I guess, late, late 1900, somewhere in there, uh, the, the crab pot was invented, I think, in the 40s or so, something like that. So that allowed people to catch crabs uh, much, much easier. And then some of the spice blends were also invented in the late 30s. Uh, um, J.O. seasoning 
which is what is predominantly used on crabs today that are steamed. So we, we have a long history of, of people eating crabs in Maryland and Maryland is absolutely the, the crab eating capital of the world. So fortunately I'm, I'm right there to, you know, to reach that market. For CJ Canby, commercial crabbing was a natural progression, deeply rooted in his upbringing on the Chesapeake Bay. Surrounded by its waters, CJ's childhood was steeped in a love for the bay's rhythm and beauty. This affinity for the water seamlessly evolved into a passionate career in crabbing, honouring his heritage. Uh, for me, it was um, modelling kind of uh, what what I had done, you know, earlier on. But then also, I had a mentor a guy um, that was a buddy of mine. We crabbed around each other when we would uh, we started out using trout lines, uh, which is a little different to catch crabs than a than a fishing trout line, but similar, you know, long line baited has an anchor on each end and. Uh, you actually drive down the line and net the crabs. So we, I started doing that, had a friend who was doing that, and then he bought crab pots. So he started that, and I went and worked with him for a year to kind of understand how crab pots worked, where to put them, all that kind of stuff. And uh, after that year working with him on and off, I, uh, I bought my own pots and uh, had a boat already and then started. I started with 300 crab pots. Uh, and a 32-foot glass-on-plywood boat. Rising before dawn, a Chesapeake Bay crabber embarks on a day of relentless toil. The routine begins with setting out to the bay's calm waters, hauling in heavy pots brimming with crabs. Cleaning and resetting these pots is a continuous cycle. Meticulously grading the catch for quality, the crabber ensures only the best crabs make it to the market. Amidst this, they adeptly manage the nuances of a demanding fishing business, balancing sustainability with livelihood. For us, I mean, in the scheme of commercial fishing, I, I, we don't start too early. Uh, we, we meet typically around 5.30 most of the summer. Our, our fishery is highly regulated, so we, have, uh, we can only start a half hour before sunrise, and then we have uh, eight hours after that. Uh, so it's basically seven and a half hours after sunrise, we have to quit. So we, we typically meet around 530, uh, head out uh, to where the crab pots are. Crab pots have to be in Chesapeake Bay. They can't be in any of the tributaries, rivers, smaller bodies of water. So our typical ride to get to the pots is anywhere from 10 minutes to about 40 minutes. We fish uh, 500 pots per day. Uh, the, the pots are all on lines. Uh, similar to a trout line where they have a buoy on each end and then there's 25 pots spaced 70 feet apart. So we go pick uh, pick the buoy up, pull the line up. We have a hydraulic winder system that pulls the line in and I, I pull pull the pots into the boat, uh, hand them to a guy who empties the, the crabs out, uh, dips them into hot water, a uh, hot water tank uh, that kills all the algae and growth. We have a lot of uh, both uh, we call it hair fuzz slime there's many different types of of macroalgae that grow here um the brown algae is just and very very quickly uh so we have to have to keep we, we clean every pot every day that we check and uh so then the guy takes it out of the the hot water tank he baits the pot and stacks it on the boat uh, while they're doing that, there's a third guy who sorts the crabs, and uh, we grade crabs, male, female, uh, size, uh, what's considered a number one 
uh, crab, which would be five and a half inches, and uh, the shells are uh, really hard. Um, anything that has a kind of squeezy shell would be a lesser quality crab. And then anything from five to five and a half inches males would be a number two. Uh, and then the females go into a separate basket. So while, you know, while we're pulling pots in, that's, that process is going on. And then we get to the end, we turn around typically and set back, uh, usually on an edge that we, uh, in shallower water, most of the summer months, we fish anywhere from five to eight feet, typically something like that. So we work, do 20 lines a day and then head in. We're typically done around one o'clock or so head in. Uh, unload uh, the crabs to to either the buyer that the guy that I sell to or to my truck and then I take them home and then he comes and picks them up later in the day. A Chesapeake Bay crabber requires a unique skill set, expertise in navigating the bay's varied waters, adeptness in managing and repairing crabbing gear, a keen eye for grading and crab quality and a deep understanding of the bay's ecology for sustainable harvesting. Resilience, patience and physical strength are also essential to endure long, demanding days. The, the main skill is uh, how, to, how to deal with monotony. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know what, what type of skill that is, but uh, I, guess, I guess it's uh, a little bit of hard-headed and a little bit of um, just <laughs> stick-to-itiveness, I guess. It's it's a it's definitely a monotonous job. It it's it can be very rewarding, you know, when you're catching a lot of crabs. It's it is actually fun. When it when you're not, it's a very boring, you know, mon- monotonous. You're up um, early, um, and it's it's definitely very physical work. So you're typically tired. We we fish five days a week, and you know, even on the off days where I'm getting bait, I'm doing something, and it never truly ends. So a lot of it's just really sticking sticking to it fishing pots every day uh that you that you can that you're able to work and and just um making sure you're putting bait in them and not you know not 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 being content with the good days because the more than likely you're going to have some bad days so chesapeake bay crabbers face multifaceted challenges adapting to ever-changing regulations grappling with rising costs of fuel, equipment and labour, and navigating fluctuating water conditions. These environmental and economic pressures, coupled with the Bay's shifting ecological dynamics, demand constant vigilance and adaptability, making crabbing both a challenging and demanding profession. Uh, our biggest our biggest number one challenge is water quality. We, um, are, The Chesapeake Bay is very shallow. The average depth is only 20 feet. It's um, uh, very urbanized, especially in the northern part of Chesapeake Bay. We also have the Susquehanna River that contributes like 70% of the water to the, 70% of the fresh water to Chesapeake Bay. And that area, it's like 64,000 square miles of drainage flowing in. So anytime it rains anywhere from New York to Virginia to West Virginia, that rain is eventually going to make it to Chesapeake Bay. And certain areas, um, uh, Pennsylvania has gotten better, but a lot of runoff, a lot of farm uh, runoff uh, from there and some urban runoff. And then Baltimore City is uh, also contributing a lot of um, 
uh, wastewater, as they politically correctly call it, uh, just uh, mostly it's it's well filtered f- of solids and then it's chlorinated, but it's not all the nitrogen phosphorus is not always uh, completely removed or removed like it should be. So we do get large algae blooms and those algae blooms cause um, dead zones and the dead zones have a lot of effect on not only crabs, but fish, everything. And uh, because it's such a shallow estuary there's only so many places the fish and crabs can go so that's the main that's our main issue second would probably be regulations uh we're we're highly highly regulated for me i I, this this was my 22nd season so uh the the mostly expenses our expenses have gone probably four or five fold since i started uh bait fuel um you know the cost of help uh, but then also, you know, the, the motors in the boats, uh, the boats themselves, any type of maintenance on the boats, uh, the crab pots, when I, the crab pots, uh, just the frame of the pot, the outer wire of the pot. The first pots I bought were $12. Now they're, I think, $36 or $38. And then fully rigged, they're over $50 a piece. So we've we've increased the sizes of our rigs how many pots we have how many pots we fish um or how many pots we have in the water uh that's increased uh because i, I got just that's kind of how we've been able to work through the regulations and to be able to to catch enough crabs to be able to cover expenses plus to make money so the crabs themselves haven't changed a whole lot consumers changed uh they they want a bigger crab most most consumers want large, extra large jumbo crabs, the uh, small, medium, female, lighter crabs uh, are typically harder to sell and uh, less valuable. So we're always a lot of times trying to chase a better crab, bigger crab, heavier crab Uh, in Maryland. You know, when the, with the prices going up, Maryland consumers gotten a lot more picky with how the grade of crab that they're getting. The Chesapeake Bay's soft shell crab a culinary delicacy, is a blue crab caught during its molting phase. This unique state renders the crab's shell temporarily soft, offering a tender, rich flavour. Harvested with precise timing, these crabs are a sought-after speciality, showcasing the bay's rich seafood tradition. Yeah, soft soft crabs are uh, crabs are arthropods, so they have to shed their shell to grow, just like any other. I call them underwater spiders. <laughs> They're basically what they are. <laughs> but uh, uh, so when they go through that molting process, there's for us there's there's one large shed at the very beginning when the crabs come out of the mud. Typically three weeks to a month after that, which is usually late May, early June, there's a shed. All the crabs really, except for the the very largest and then the mature females don't shed. But the vast majority of crabs all shed at, uh, within a week to two week period. So there's a large run of um, soft shells in the beginning of the season. There's a female run usually in August into September for us. And then there's also a male run towards the end and those are typically the biggest those are the anywhere from six to eight inch soft crabs and really the typically you know the most valuable and sought after uh, those big giant soft crabs are a lot of people really like those and they're they're definitely a valuable crab uh, soft crabs are the most valuable for me we we catch them typically as a, a peeler crab which is a crab that's within a few days of shedding its shell We'll take and sort those separate on the boat, and then we'll take. I'll bring those crabs home 
and put them into tanks. I have a closed system, so I have uh, oyster shells and some lava rock, and uh, that's as a biological filter. And then I have, I think it's seven tables or tanks, or there's different names for them, but they circulate water in those. The 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 living uh, filter sorts or helps to uh, reduce uh, ammonia nitrates, all that. It, it um, processes those. So the crabs can shed uh, successfully, and we check the check those soft crabs uh, three times a day. Once once when I get up in the morning, uh, once in the middle of the day, and then once in the evening. And my my wife helps tremendously with that. She does a lot of the soft crab uh, work and uh, keeping keeping track of that and checking them and uh, dealing with the soft crabs. She's a great asset. Uh, soft crabs are are either sold live or uh, frozen. Uh, they uh, have to be within, they can't be too soft. If they're too soft, they kind of just smush on themselves and they can't be too firm or they're, they, they're not good. They're crunchy to eat or, you know, they kind of poke you when you eat them. Uh, they're, so there's a very short window. It's, they can only be about six, six to eight hours, something like that in the water after they've shed to where they're still they're still soft enough to sell and then we I typically sell those a couple days a week uh, i have a restaurant that i sell to that buys the vast majority of my soft crabs so they're getting fresh local soft crabs uh, at the restaurant and uh, just an absolute you know superior product for them and uh, i definitely get a lot of a lot of happy smiles uh when when people uh, try to solve crabs, eat soft crabs, or they're you know with anything, fresh seafood is always going to be the best. Uh, I, I haven't eaten one <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, soft crabs are are not my favorite. <laughs> my my wife did my wife did enjoy the spoils of our of her hard labor, so she did get a soft crab from the restaurant and and really enjoyed it. So uh, I I don't often eat them. Um, uh, and you know there i can i'm getting five six dollars a piece for them so i look at that soft crab and uh my three kids and wife and if i may you know yeah i could take them out to a nice dinner by the time you clean you know it's that the, the trade-off of uh selling them for for money or or eating them and losing the money so but it's uh it, it, it's kind of neat and uh, certainly branding um you know with getting into social media uh, as as fishermen i think moving forward we're really going to have to brand our products we're going to have to really uh, put a face to our products uh, with so much imported seafood flooding in uh, into our markets unfairly and um, just being dumped uh, on on our markets uh, you, you really have to educate we're really trying to educate the consumer here to to what they're eating and where it's coming from soft crabs are one of the th the few things that really come uh may, you might get a few from from florida or uh further south uh north carolina uh, virginia but th they're i don't know of really any that come from from overseas or anything it's more the crab meat uh that we have to deal with the competition for that in maryland and the broader Chesapeake Bay. Blue crabs are liberally seasoned with a unique blend of spices and steamed to perfection. This method infuses the meat with a distinctive zesty flavor, creating a gastronomic experience synonymous with the region. 
The ritual of cracking open these steamed crabs is a cherished social and culinary tradition embodying the essence of local culture. Yeah, so Chesapeake Bay, we, we really only steam our crabs. We don't boil them. We don't clean them first. We don't uh, cook them in sauce. They're they're the vast, vast majority of hard shell crabs in Maryland are steamed. So they're typically dry steamed, which is a boiler system uh, set up and it's run into a stainless steel pot. And uh, that uh, steam then uh, cooks the crabs and uh, the crabs themselves would, would be seasoned with J.O. spice, J.O. number two spice, and then uh, served hot. Uh, directly, you know, onto a table, and then they're picked out uh, by people, you know, eating the crabs that way. The kind of the way that the steam crab works, the this everybody in the South typically boils their crabs, so all that that juice and seasoning gets into the meat. So w- what we're doing is when you're when you open the crabs because they're seasoned on the outside, you have all that seasoning on your hands, and as you're eating those that those pieces of meat out of the crab the seasoning transfers from your hand to the meat and it's really the perfect see a perfect amount of seasoning to eat that meat with and that that's really it it's very very basic steam crabs dump them out on the table it's usually a social event uh, lots of people sit around eat crabs tell stories um have a few um beers with it and uh, that's how many, many summer nights are spent, you know, in Maryland. Holidays uh, are spent in Maryland. In the fishing industry, while competition is inherent, a strong sense of collegiality prevails. Fishermen often share a deep camaraderie forged by mutual respect for the sea and shared challenges. This bond leads to an exchange of knowledge, resources and support in times of need, creating a community that values cooperation as much as healthy competition ensuring the industry's resilience and sustainability. Uh, so it, right in my area, uh, the, the guy that I started uh, crabbing with, the buddy of mine, uh, he, he had other guys that worked with him uh, that also started fishing. Uh, Luke uh, McFadden, he's uh, the internet sens- sensation. Uh, Captain Balmer, what we call him. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he got started with me, worked with me for a year right out of high school and I kind of, uh, I got him, um, got him, got him, um, showed him, I showed him the ropes and then I tossed him overboard to figure it, figure the rest out himself. So he's done, done real well. And him and I get along, uh, we, we crab the same areas, but, uh, he, he just gets out of my way when I want to crab. So <laughs> I, I push him, push him a little bit. So. The rest of the guys, uh, most of us all get along pretty well. There, you know, there's obviously it's all competition. We're competing against each other, the crabs, and but we all know that we're ultimately we're you know all all want the same thing. Everybody needs to catch crabs and survive. And most people are fairly respectful and typically stay to a certain area, certain depth, things like that. So everybody kind of has their areas, and uh, we have a few guys that travel. You know, they're only in the area for certain times and they move north or south or different places. So uh, when I get further south and there are areas where I, I don't go because there's, you know, the the, the camaraderie is not um, healthy, we'll call it. <laughs> there is some territorialness. Yeah. Places like Georgia, 
Uh, they have their own areas where no one else can crab. Only, you know, you have your pots there. No one else can crab there. Uh, but it's not like that in Maryland. If you can crab anywhere you want, as long as you're in Chesapeake Bay, there are no set areas for uh, for a license. You can crab anywhere from uh, the headwaters of Maryland all the way to the Maryland-Virginia line with a Maryland license. So. The advent of social media and the ability of fishermen to document their experiences through smartphone videos have been transformational in demystifying commercial fishing. These platforms provide an authentic glimpse into the rigours and rewards of the trade, bridging the gap between consumers and the source of their seafood. By sharing their daily realities, triumphs and challenges, fishermen have fostered a greater appreciation and understanding of their profession among the wider public enhancing the visibility and understanding of this vital industry. The, the fishing itself, uh, I think really only in the last handful of years as social media's uh, presence uh, has kind of started to educate people. A lot of people have no idea how the crabs are caught, where they come from, what what it takes to catch crabs. That's a lot of what, what I got started doing in with social media, I got tired of answering so many questions. I just started making videos and I could tell people to just go watch the videos. It was easier. Uh, but uh, people are very curious when they know, you know, they find out you're a, you're a crabber and they, um, they want to know, they ask you a million questions. And I've had people from all demographics of life, uh, all, I mean, famous people are just as, you know, enamored with it as the regular, every average Joe. I mean, it's, it's, you kind of become a celebrity. Uh, because of it, just what you do, you know, it's an interesting kind of dynamic there, how it, how it works. And uh, the, the fishermen themselves, I think, you know, the crab, the crabs themselves are really the highlight. That's what people are really, you know, they really enjoy and what really makes Maryland, Maryland, I think. For the next generation of commercial fishermen, challenges like resource sustainability, technological advancements and regulatory complexities loom large. Fostering new entrants into the fishery is crucial. It ensures not just the trade's continuity, but also the infusion of fresh perspectives and innovative approaches needed to navigate and sustain this age-old yet ever-evolving industry. A lot of what is changing is uh, we, the, the average age for watermen is steadily increasing. It's in, in most fisheries uh, and really in the United States, the average age is in the, the average age of a fisherman is in their 50s. A lot of guys, a lot, uh, very few younger guys getting into the fisheries. So I think guys like Luke are really going to have a monopoly on the crabs and what prices and things like that because there's just really less and less people doing it because of the cost. The costs have really, um, they've, the costs have not not allowed young fishermen to get into the fishery unless you're. Uh, taking over a fishery from, you know, a relative or a friend or, you know, someone you work with, something like that. It's very difficult to get into the fishery and uh, get established uh, just because of the costs of it. So I, I think the crabs will always be there. It'll be the amount of fishermen left to, to, to catch them, really. Fishermen are privileged with a front row seat to nature's marvels in their daily routine. From witnessing the serene beauty of sunrises over calm waters to encountering diverse marine wildlife, their unique vantage point offers a profound connection with the natural world. These experiences not only enrich their lives but also deepen their understanding and respect for their marine ecosystem. You know, crabbing, we, we work uh, in 
it's for for the bay it's a decent sized boat so as far as um you know high seas tails you know very few days are, are too rough to work uh the boats are big and capable and uh so n- not many harrowing stories of high seas but have, have really gotten to see some cool creatures over the years from uh, leucistic crabs uh all the different types of of growths on them different multiple claws different types of uh, shell structures uh just you know different types of fish different uh seahorses we get to see dolphins now that's a new thing the last five or six years bottlenose dolphins started to come into the bay so that those are neat i always enjoy seeing them the um you know, I guess more more of what we catch is always interesting. You you really never know what you're going to catch, and always content to uh, to to post about on social media. So, for many fishers, running a successful, sustainable fishing business transcends mere occupation. It's a deep seated passion. This commitment goes beyond the day to day chores of fishing. It embodies a dedication to preserving marine ecosystems and ensuring future generations can also experience the bounty of the sea. It's a true labour of love, rooted in respect for nature and community. So it's, uh, it's crabbing. You know, I, I've been. I always say I've been so blessed to get to do what I love. I've, I've you know, crabbed now 22 years. I've been crabbing, you know, for fun since I was 12 years old, and it, it never. I, I I haven't gotten bored of it. Uh, I enjoy doing it. It's it's been lucrative at times for me. I've I've been able to support my family. Uh, now I'm down to where I really only crab, and that's all. Um, I'm able to make a living crabbing for you know, about six months out of the year. So I'm I'm blessed to do that and uh, enjoy the work. It's uh it, it's it's definitely labor intensive and monotonous at times, but it's very rewarding. And uh, I've got to see. Um, you know, this is fish more tales, sunrises than podcast. in probably in a, a season deep in the weeds production. <laughs> most people see. I'm John Sussman. So. Really, follow us cool stuff. on Instagram. I, I, I do love what I do, so I'm blessed. I, I, I always say I my kids can do something. I, I doubt that they'll deep in the weeds crabbers. You know, who knows? They're they're young. Stay tuned still, for more tales from uh, beneath I, I the surface of the seafood world. Every Friday, like to do or make lots and lots of money so they can pay to do what they want to do and have fun. So. Most most days are, are I would say were are um enjoyable. They're fun. I have a good crew. I've had a good crew now for a couple of years and through the years I've had good crews. So when you have good guys working around you, it, it certainly makes it a, a, a an enjoyable experience. CJ Canby epitomizes the heart and soul of the Chesapeake Bay blue crab fishery, a cornerstone of the region's culinary and cultural identity. As a dedicated crabber, CJ not only upholds a rich family tradition, but also champions sustainable practices vital for the fishery's future. His work ensures the continued availability of this iconic delicacy, crucial to the local cuisine and economy. CJ's role in this vibrant industry symbolises its significance in preserving the region's heritage and gastronomic future.